the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today, we begin looking at a series simply entitled Doxology. We're in Romans chapter 11, verses 32 through 36. We invite you to spend time with us next on Abounding Grace. the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord who has become his counselor or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Now that is a doxology. And that's what we're exploring today as we begin a little mini-series in Romans called Doxology. From Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose and online at reformedheritage.org, here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Verses 33 through 36 are a bridge between the first part of Romans chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 11:32 in which the apostle inspired by God's spirit has spoken of our universal ruin Jew and Gentile but has also spoken of God's gift of righteousness to us through Jesus Christ in his obedience he has spoken to us of our union with Christ in his death and his resurrection. He has told us in chapter 7 that we are married to Christ so that even when we feel our misery and we feel our wretchedness and we say, oh, woe is me that I am, the good that I want to do, I don't do, the evil I don't want to do, I do, we still have victory in Jesus Christ. He has told us in chapter 8 that God is near to us, loves us, that nothing that happens to us can separate us from the love of God in Christ. In chapters 9 through 11, he wanted to make it very clear that this mercy is not going to be shown to just a few scattered souls here and there. But there is going to be a fullness coming, a fullness of the Gentiles. An innumerable multitude is being saved, will be saved, which will then bring the Jews back. And all Israel, it says, will be saved till he comes to verse 32, that he might have mercy upon all, it says. This is an astounding little line. Given where we began, there is none righteous, no, not one. All have gone astray. That is you, 
and that is me. There is none that have done good. We have nothing to bring to the holy God except our filth. And yet we come to this conclusion that he might have mercy upon all. You see this doxology, this song of praise to God, this spirit's own singing and rejoicing over God's mercy to sinners. That is what we have in verses 33 through 36. Of course, when I call it a bridge, you can look at chapter 12, verse 1, and see that mercy is still on the apostle's mind. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. And everything that follows in Romans is going to deal with practical holiness, Christian living. But these verses 30 through 36 are a bridge between the two, between doctrine and practice, a bridge between truth and godliness. And it is a bridge that we must all cross. And what is that bridge? It is praise. It is humility before God's goodness to us. Now, this bridge has troubled me, these verses, more than any of the passages in Roman. I don't know why. The Lord obviously deals with each one of us, including this preacher, who is not in control of the word. God is. But this bridge is jarring to me. Because it is a reminder that I don't understand the gospel as I should. And I don't understand the truth unless it leads me to praise. I don't understand it. And I don't just mean it's too big for me. I mean personally, it has lost its power upon me if I am not praising God. Because that is what truth in the heart does to the Christian. It makes us praise God. I'm sure it does each and every one of you. And then moving into chapters 12 through 16, I learn I can't obey God unless I am praising Him. Think about that. Now I can try for a while out of guilt and spin my wills, but I can't really. Sincerely, Give myself to doing what God wants me to do, especially when I don't want to do it. Obedience is not obedience when God says, go eat a carton of ice cream. Most of us don't have a problem with that. Obedience is obedience when he says, if any man will come after me, let him take up his cross and deny himself. Obedience is obedience when he says to children, obey your parents and honor them even when you don't want to. Well, how can I do that? How can I love my wife with all the harsh words she has said to me? How can I love and submit to my husband with all of the bad decisions he's made in the past? And I'm still supposed to submit to this man? 
How can my work be anything but drudgery? Why is the worship of the church more like child's play, sentimentalism or coldness on the other end? We have forgotten that truth leads to praise. A life of worship, of doxology, and doxology leads to obedience. That's the way the Holy Spirit organized this letter. And we need to pay very careful attention. I don't want anyone here to miss this today. In chapters 1 through 11, verse 32, we find truth, doctrine, and praise. But the letter doesn't end there. Paul breaks in here, and remember our chapter breaks are somewhat artificial. They're not inspired. But right here he comes to this is beyond. All this truth, all this doctrine leads me to do one thing, to praise this God who doesn't need anything. He didn't owe us mercy. I can't ever come to him and say, I've done this, so you need to do this for me. You have nothing. I have nothing. If he gives mercy, it is because he freely delights in it. That's it. He has all wisdom in himself, and he never takes anyone into his counsel. Never. He doesn't need any counsel. He is self-contained. He is independent. These verses take us back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning... God, which carries us forward to heaven, to whom be the glory forever. Those, beloved, are the bookends of human history. God to God. Anything else is a colossal waste of time and an abuse of the gifts and opportunities that God has given to us. Our lives, our families, our vocations, our finances how we spend God's time, how we conduct our human relationships. They have a beginning, God. And they have a destination, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This doxology is so big. It would be wonderful if we could take it all in at one time. I would love to. I've tried to, but I can't. And the reason this doxology is so big is because God is so big. I could no more take in these four little verses all at one time than I can take in the whole wake of his glory. But we can study it. We can look at these sparks of God's glory and by studying them, giving ourselves to the mediation of God, We can grow in our ability to praise Him and to worship Him. We're very slow to praise God, are we not? We have His completed gospel, His completed word. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the spirit of adoption. And yet, we snooze away. 
more concerned with our own affairs than we are with the things of the Lord. Wait a minute. Why is it important what I am doing? Wait a minute. I'm struggling with my children. Now what? Oh, yeah. God. God. God is going to reveal his glory in this, his power, his majesty. That is why I've been learning all this truth to lead me to praise so that in praising him and turning to him, then I can be strengthened to do the difficult things that, frankly, I oftentimes don't want to do. But if I am praising him, if that praise is fueled by the holy light of sacred truth, what he has revealed about himself and his word, then I will praise him. By praising him and rejoicing in him and magnifying his name, then I will want to obey him and please him. I will fail, yes. But that leads me back to the truth of forgiveness in Jesus. And then being forgiven in in Jesus, that leads me to praise him. Then the praise leads me to make the attempt again, as weak as I am, to love and obey and serve God. So let me beg you to study this doxology. Not just to study these verses but to study the whole context. Because we're given here an insight into the very mind of God that He has graciously revealed to us. How He wants us to relate truth and practice, doctrine and obedience. He wants the bridge between them to be adoration, to be praise, to be magnifying His name, to be joy. It is a dramatic and exhilarating doxology that shows us that the life, the Christian life, that is not lived praising God, is going to be a sad life. It's not going to be a life that you will find any joy in obeying God because you're not praising Him and you're not seeking Him. Let me beg you again, study this doxology. Seek to praise the name of God with what he has revealed of himself and be filled with joy for what he has done. As Psalm 43, 4 says, God, my exceeding joy. Let me read to you this article from just an aged saint, it says. God, my exceeding joy, Psalm 43, 4. For some time now, this verse has constantly been upon my heart. It seems like it is branded there. David was king and as such had a legion of responsibilities, decisions to make, daily counsels, family problems, personal trials and temptations, health issues, and the list goes on. But in spite of these pressing words, God was his exceeding joy. Not just a joy, but an exceeding 
joy. That is an uncommon joy. Not a future bliss, which must certainly is, conclu- is, is included, but a present joy that excels all other joys. We're told when the wise men saw Jesus' star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And Peter tells us this kind of joy is unspeakable. Whom having not seen, ye love. And whom though now you see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. There isn't any way to describe it. There are no words. This joy can only be experienced by and through faith. It must be appropriated. One definition of the word is to take possession for one's own use. This doxology, verses 33 through 36, echoes some of the highest praise sections of both the Old Testament, the law, and the prophets. But of course, it far surpasses them. Because the new covenant surpasses the old covenant. What they hoped for, we now have. So please, as we go through this, and I won't get very far today. We're going to just look at a little bit about praising God. But please remember the way that this doxology serves as a bridge between these two sections of Scripture. Between doctrine and... And Christian living. Now I want to give to you today. And this will be the bulk of my sermon. Three reasons. Three sins. That make us unable to cross this bridge. Between truth and godliness. Now we're only going to get through one of them. Today. We must be aware of them. Conscious of them. Repent of them where they are true of us because this bridge of praise changes everything. This is a bridge, as I said, we've got to cross. Something in my life needs to change so that I can praise God as I should. Because if I don't please Him, if I don't find my life in glorifying Him, I am never going to cross over from praise into obedience. Where obedience is joyful to me. And I can guarantee that everyone in here is struggling in one way or another with some area where you know in your life God wants you to obey. Maybe God just wants you to shut your mouth. And trust Him. Maybe God wants you to give up some idol in your life. Maybe God just wants you to listen to your parents. And say, not my will God. Not my will mom. But your will be done. Maybe it's you and your finances. You and your boss. You and how you spend your time. Whatever it is, but every one of God's children is being sifted and pressed on this very point. God says, will you trust me? Will you obey me? 
Will you submit to me in all things? How are we going to do that? I can guilt you into it so that you will submit to, so that you will maybe do it for five minutes. You'll give it that much effort. I can enthuse you maybe into 15 minutes of effort, but there is only one thing that will set our hearts free. Like Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and you may have it abundantly. So if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. There is only one thing that will set us free to really give ourselves to obeying God and saying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And that is praise. That is when our hearts are humbled by what he has done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. The righteousness that he has given us. The freedom that we have to approach him. All these truths, I guarantee Many of you could probably talk about as well as I can. When those truths move from, I understand them intellectually, to a real heart praising of God and worshiping of Him, then obedience flows from that. So I said three things that keep us from crossing the bridge. The first one. And I'll try to keep these as simple as I can. We live in an anti-thinking age. You ask, so you mean to tell me to cross that bridge, I need to be intellectual? No. But God has given you a mind. And he says, I want you to love me with your mind. You are not free to daydream your youth away. You are not free to fantasize your free time away. He says, I've given you a mind so that you can reflect on what I have done. Now, please notice something here. I didn't just pull these out of the thin air. Where did this praise come from in verses 33 through 36? It came after one of the most extensive, comprehensive statements of Christian faith and doctrine to be found in the Bible. Romans chapter 1 through 11. Now, if someone asks you where to go to understand all these doctrines, most of us would say Romans. Because Romans is one of these deep, heavy, wonderfully doctrinal books. And Paul spends all this time with these Roman Christians explaining. These were first generation believers. They didn't have seminaries in their background. They didn't have generations of godliness. These were relatively new believers. And he gives them this full, glorious, majestic presentation of God's truth. And then what does he do? After going through all of that, he starts praising. Why? Well, because of the truth about what God has done, who he is, what he has given us in Jesus. 
His mercy to us. These weren't given to us so that we just have some religious ideas flitting around in our heads. So that we can simply say, well, I know the catechisms. Great. But you do not truly know the catechisms if you are not praising God with your life. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. The ministry of Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose. As always, it's a delight spending time with you here in God's Word. And if today's program has been especially helpful to you, we'd love to hear about it. Would you take a moment and contact us? Let us know how the program is encouraging you in Christ. It would mean a great deal to us. From time to time, we'd like to know how the program is being used by God. And that would be a great gauge for us. A quick letter or a phone call. Here's how to contact us, 408-866-5607. That's our phone number, 408-866-5607. Or you can write to us at PMB, that's PMB number 402-1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB for post mailbox, number 402 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032 is the zip code. If you'd like to know more about Reformed Heritage Church of San Jose or Pastor Gary Wagner and Abounding Grace, you can visit our website, reformedheritage.org. That's reformedheritage.org. And leave us an email when you stop by. Let us know you paid us a visit. You're also welcome to, again, call. That phone number is 408-866-5607. If you'd like a copy of today's program, by the way, mention today's date when you contact us and we'll get a copy out to you. The cost is $5. And any amount you send above and beyond cost of resource materials will go right back into the radio program, as this is a listener-supported ministry. We're able to continue our daily presence here on this station as you continue to support us financially and prayerfully. We appreciate your help in this endeavor. Thank you again. For further information, reformedheritage.org or 408-866-5607. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.